Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Katie Nordby. And I'm Janelle Feller. These are the stories of Tiara Williams and the untouchable attorney. Tiara Williams graduated from high school in 2014. She was living with her grandmother at the Stony Brook Apartments in Greensboro, North Carolina. In 2016, she decided to continue her education and registered for classes at Guilford Technical Community College to complete her early childhood development degree. Greensboro has a population of roughly 300,000. It has three major interstates, Interstate 40, 85, and 73, that all intersect in Greensboro. On January 7, 2016, she finished the enrollment process at college and then stopped by her mother's house around 6 p.m. Tiara and her boyfriend helped her mother take down the Christmas tree. She was in good spirits and was looking forward to starting the spring semester. Her mother planned to take her shopping for textbooks and a laptop the next day. Around 8 p.m., Tiara, her boyfriend, and her little brother went to the apartment she shared with her grandmother. They had dinner and watched TV. Around 8.30 p.m., Tiara said she was going to meet a friend and would be back in an hour. Tiara left the apartment on foot, and her boyfriend took her little brother to his place so that they could play video games. 9.30 came and went, and Tiara still wasn't back. Her boyfriend went back to her apartment to wait for her. He tried to contact her multiple times, but she didn't respond. When no one had heard from her the next day, her mother called the police. Because Tiara was 19 years old, authorities didn't get involved right away. Her family canvassed the Stony Brook apartment building, but Tiara was nowhere to be found. Her boyfriend mentioned that Tiara said the friend that she was going to visit was Travis. He didn't know anyone by that name. Her mother was able to look at her Facebook account, and she found messages that she had sent to an ex, but his name wasn't Travis. On January 11, 2016, the Crimes Against Persons squad got involved. They never released the real name of Travis that Tiara met with the night she disappeared. He initially told authorities that he hadn't spoken to her, but later said they talked in his car for about 30 minutes, and then she left on foot back to the apartment complex. The search of his vehicle turned up no clues as to Tiara's whereabouts. Authorities found that the GPS signal on her phone stopped while Tiara would have been on her way home indicating that the phone was turned off at some point or the battery died. A couple weeks after Tiara disappeared, police received a call from a sanitation worker that reported he saw a disoriented girl resembling Tiara in the High Point area, about 20 minutes from her apartment, walking down the street in a dark jacket. Another witness also reported seeing the same girl walking down Textile Drive in Greensboro, which is in the opposite direction of of the High Point area. Authorities were unable to find this person that resembled Tiara. They also received two anonymous tips that Tiara's body was dumped in a tractor trailer that was parked across the street from her apartment building. Tiara was not there. Two different, two different tips. Yeah. Yeah. That she was in the same spot. That. Right. That's anonymous tips. 
So, you know, is that Were something... they the same person? I'm not sure. Right. I didn't say. Right. Is that something to throw off sure. an investigation? Sure. Or... Sure. But it, it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Two different ones. I I think two different. Right. In February, tracking dogs were brought in to search the woods, creeks, and sewers around the apartment, but they found nothing. Two other women around Tiara's age went missing from Greensboro around the same time as Tiara, but they were found within a couple of days. It is uncharacteristic for Tiara to leave without warning or be out of touch with her family and friends. Authorities believe she is missing under suspicious circumstances and may have been the victim of foul play. Her case remains unsolved. Tiara Williams was 19 years old when she went missing from Greensboro, North Carolina in 2016. She would be 24 this year. She is described as African-American, 5'5", and 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a pink shirt, a black North Face jacket, dark blue Levi's jeans, white Jordan sneakers with blue and green trim, and a royal blue knit cap. Her ears and nose are pierced. She has a nickel-sized burn scar on her right wrist. If you know anything about the disappearance and or whereabouts of Tiara Williams, please call the Greensboro Police Department at 336-373-2222. So one thing that bugs me about this story is that they never released the real name of Travis. Travis was not his real name. They spoke to this person. Right. But they so never... She, so did, and was, she, was she giving a false name or had he given her a false name? I mean, that's something that you right. don't know. Right. You don't know. All we know is his, she called him Travis. Right. And, um... and from what I could find, he wasn't named a suspect. Or, I mean, her boyfriend wasn't named a suspect. Nobody has really been named a person of interest or a suspect in her case. It's also upsetting that there was, um, there were two other women that went missing uh, during that same time and were found a couple of days later. Um, Had they been assaulted? Had they been drugged? Had they been, um, is there anything that, about their case that says anything that could have happened about, with, with Tiara and... Right. I know that they were found alive. Yes. um, But there wasn't any mention of... Right. What those circumstances were. And it's concerning that there were two, I mean, two possible sightings. Mm-hmm. Greensboro is 300,000 people. Right. You can get lost. Right. You can be right underfoot. Right. But if you are... Well, in her apartment, so it was kind of confusing. So the high point area is 20 minutes from her apartment, but then... Textile Drive is really not that far from her apartment, but in the opposite direction. So it's 20 minutes to get to the High Point area. And then... But it was also 20 minutes from the High Point area to Textile Drive. So right. it was it was not... She, but she was in the middle of those. Right. Those. And on the same night, on the same... At oh. the same time... Oh. Somebody saw her in both... Of, I mean, not right. the exact same time, they, but... They reported. Right. Right, that on this day, mm-hmm. they saw her in the High Point area, resembling her in the High Point area, and then on Textile Drive. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, but I, I think that, I think that you could, you could be a, a, a victim of sex, sex trafficking, um, uh, 
and remain in the same town mm -hmm. when the town is 300,000 people. And three major interstates all kind of Which, intersect right there. You know, and, and early on when we started doing this podcast, we started reporting about those, those large, those highways and interstates that go through the town that we're talking about because um, it just means that people can get in and out without ever being seen. Right, or without ever being known. Like, right. people don't know them. Right. They're they don't they're have any, traveling they're, through. They're traveling through. There's no connection. They, have, they may have a route that, yeah. that their work, that they do for their work, or they, mm -hmm. that they, they don't have to connect with anybody. Yeah. And um, it, is, it seems to be a common theme. And I think, I, I think it makes it more dangerous. I think that those types of cities... Right. more dangerous and they can be large or small that doesn't mm -hmm. that doesn't matter this right. happens to be a large city but we've seen it happen in small cities where um, that they are uh, they are a, they are a hub uh, there's there's several roads going through their communities that may only be highways right or state highways or or whatever but they seem to be mm -hmm. it's an it's a it is a uh, it just hides um, an individual with nefarious right. interests. I mean, because... And they can be rural areas, but if there's a major highway passing through, it's... Right, right. And if know. there's a couple, then it just means that you really don't know mm -hmm. who is in your community. Right. Um, like, I think about our town, you know, we're right on the border. I right. mean, obviously, right now, COVID has changed how people go to Canada, but, I mean, normally in the summer months, I mean, there are tons of people from all over the place Well, in the summer months, through. we have... We have, there can be a backup of a mile mm -hmm. of people waiting to cross the border. Yeah. Across the border to go fishing, usually. Right. Um, usually, uh, or, or having, um, you know, um, summer plans. And in our area is, um, that will happen in the spring. Right. And it happens during the summer. Um, and the concern for me isn't necessarily that they're going over to Canada. It's that they're in our town. It's that there's all these people who don't have any connection to here. Right. Other than fishing. Right in our town, right. you know, coming and going, They're which not, it just makes it a little it, more, you just got to well, be a little more cautious. Well, and I, I th and also because um, International Falls is a, a, a city on an international border mm -hmm. with a border crossing. One of the busiest. Yep. It, uh, it actually, statistically, we should expect that there are, there are people trafficked Right. Through our community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've t we, we, as part of our job, we talk to law enforcement about this on a regular basis. And there has been nobody arrested right. for trafficking of another individual. But when we've done presentations to places like hotels and motels, resorts, um, those, those owners have said, oh, I've seen that. Right. I didn't know that's what it was. Right. I've seen... Um, a situation where I believe somebody was trafficked, mm -hmm. but I didn't. It felt weird at the time, but I didn't. Couldn't put my finger on it. Right. And, and they're maybe not sticking around long enough. There. Well, there's. And I think that I think the thing that we can really, that they're not breaking the law. Right. They are very carefully following the laws mm -hmm. in as they go through because um, they're not taking people or children uh, from the streets of International Falls. Right, because um, they are not breaking any rules or any laws while passing through our city. Right, 
uh, I mean that overtly. Right. Right. Because they're not being they're not being stopped. They're not mm-hmm. being stopped, and they have not been caught. But there we there's there absolutely are going through. And one of the things that we can also kind of count on is, is that we have a, a a highway that runs from our city to Baudette, which is another border mm-hmm. crossing. Very rural. Yep. Um, not a lot of traffic, and I think that there we can. It absolutely is happening here. It's absolutely happening yeah. here. And People just haven't been caught. They haven't been caught, mm-hmm. and they are. Um, I mean, and there's, there's as far as anybody can recall, there's not been any arrests. Right. Somebody, that doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. And I think that's. And you have to almost assume that with three major interstates. In Greensboro. In Greensboro, it's absolutely also happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And Greensboro, you know that it it people are being moved from one section to another. And um, that's exactly that's exactly what's happening, which is interesting because that kind of ties into the story that I have to tell today. Which, um, you know, our podcast is is t- talks about uh, our podcast when we designed it was to talk about people who've gone missing in the United States and Canada. And I'm breaking that rule today, sure, because I'm mad. All right, I'm angry, and I've been angry all week about stuff like this. Sure. So this story, I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. It comes from USA Today, and the the article is entitled Untouchable Attorney Arrested, Charged with Human Trafficking. So in Cincinnati, this is, this is, this is October 25th, uh, 2020, in Cincinnati. For more than 15 years, accusers of Michael Murin felt as if they were screaming into a void. In voices both strained with emotion and seemingly hardened with trauma, they stepped forward cautiously with trepidation to level their allegations that Murin, a former Portsmouth, Ohio city councilman and still practicing attorney, trapped them in a cycle of drug abuse and sexual servitude. They told their stories to agents with the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, to FBI investigators, to journalists with the Cincinnati Inquirer. The worst that came of it were the convictions of eight defendants who pleaded guilty to drug charges and none of those eight were Mirren. On Friday, everything changed. After decades of rumors and investigations, Mirren was arrested on human trafficking, racketeering, and related charges. He was expected to be arraigned in this Scotio, forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, Scotio County Common Pleas Court on Monday. Mirren, 74, has denied having anything to do with trafficking, prostitution, or drugs. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost says otherwise. If Dante were around, he'd invent an eighth circle of hell for this guy, he told the Inquirer late Friday, hours after Murin was arrested outside of his Portsmouth office on 18 felony charges. His victims were utterly powerless. One of the problems with this case is everyone thought Mr. Murin was untouchable. The victims were reluctant to come forward because they thought nothing would ever happen to him but something could happen to them. Some women did come forward, however, including, including Heather Wren, who spoke with Inquirer reporters for an investigation that ran in two parts, published in March 2019 and September 2019. She said Murin had arranged for her to have sex with a Cincinnati doctor for $200 and arranged for a probation officer to take nude photographs of them, among other allegations. Murin, she said, quote, 
trafficked me to his friends, or pimped me out, unquote. Wren was one of 10 women initially interviewed by the Enquirer last year, most of whom asked that their names not be published. The newspaper also poured through hundreds of investigative documents, including arrest and court records. They interviewed 50 additional people for this project. Here's what the women alleged. Mirren, a prominent attorney, would represent women facing drug charges. The lawyer promised them lenient sentences from judges he knew and parole officers willing to ignore probation requirements, but there was a catch. The women had to agree to have sex for money. The sexual liaisons allegedly occurred in Portsmouth, Cincinnati, and Columbus, but also outside of Ohio. The Inquirer was told of sex for money trips to New York, New Jersey, Louisiana, and Florida. The women were paid $200 to $2,000 per encounter, and in some instances, Murin handled the payment, they said. The Inquirer interviewed Murin twice during the investigation. He consistently denied the allegations. At one point, he said he didn't know what a sex trafficker was and asked for a definition. As a prominent lawyer in Ohio, he would know what sex trafficking is. Right. Um, I just want to scream. I just... That's why I'm having trouble reading this, because I'm so angry about it. Mirren's home was raided this spring, a year after the newspaper's initial report, by agents with the Ohio Bureau of Investigation. At the time, Mirren told reporters that any investigation into him would be fruitless because he led a boring life. The Inquirer's investigation began after the newspaper obtained a federal wiretap affidavit, which had been filed under seal with the Southern District of Ohio. The 80-page affidavit, the 80-page document filed in August 2015 by DEA Senior Special Agent Keith Layton said that Murin was known to law enforcement in Portsmouth since the 1970s. So this... Since the 1970s. Well, and this affidavit was filed in 2015, and he was just actually charged in 2020, still allowed to practice... Not just practice. Uh, Not just practice. It's just infuriating. The, the agent linked Mirren to 27 women who worked for him as prostitutes. In, and I, that just, in this statement, this makes me angry. The agent linked Mirren to 27 women who worked for him as prostitutes. The hell they worked for him for, as prostitutes. Right. They weren't prostitutes. They were trafficked. They were, they were coerced. They right. were, um, including two women to have been met with foul play. One woman was dead with multiple traumas in 2013, and Megan Lancaster has been missing since April of that year. Lancaster, who was 25 when she was last seen, kept names and phone numbers in color-coded notebooks that her sister-in-law, Katie Lancaster, compiled and showed the Enquirer last year. The entries included notations for, quote, dance for, and, quote, men who give money. Mirren's name and number appeared alongside both notations. Katie Lancaster said that she, that she was tagged in a post on Facebook on Friday evening with the news that Mirren had been arrested. She said she never thought it would happen. The whole thing is surreal, she said. I couldn't believe it had finally come to a head. Megan Lancaster was last seen in Wheelersburg, an Ohio River city of about 6,000 people, about 10 miles west of Portsmouth. Saturday was her 33rd birthday. Linda Miles, 35, was one of the accusers featured in the Inquirer's investigation. 
she said that she was promised a modeling contract by a former Skiro County Sheriff's deputy, only to be sex trafficked at age 15. She described being forced to have sex with multiple men, getting addicted to drugs, and becoming pregnant in 2003. The baby, born in 2004, was put up for adoption, she said. Told Friday of Mirren's arrest, she started to cry. She said, no one ever believed me, her voice thick with tears. I just, just wish I could look him in the face and all the other ones and say, look at what you've done. Look at what you've caused. Mills described conflicting emotions, saying that she felt both blessed that Mirren finally faced charges and adding that I am so angry. She said Mirren was protected for years by high-profile lawyers, judges, and officers. Why are you protecting this man, she asked, because you're part of it and no one wanted to listen to people. Mirren is lodged in the Scotio County Jail. The prosecution is a joint effort between Yost's office and Scotio County sorry, prosecutor Shane Tymon. According to the Supreme Court of Ohio Attorney's Service Office, Muran's registration is active. He was admitted as an attorney in 1971 after graduating from Ohio State University and passing an exam. His listing indicates that he has no record of disciplinary, disciplinary actions nor of administrative sanctions or suspensions. Muran operates his own law firm, the website for which describes him as accomplished, humble, and passionate and says he, cr he created quite a reputation for himself during the, his years of practice. The 18 felony charges Mirren face, faces include human trafficking and compelling prostitution. They stem from activity from 2003 and 2018 involving six women. If convicted on all charges, he faces more than 70 years of prison. Yost said now that Mirren has been charged, other victims may feel safe enough to come forward. He said he was impressed by the six women who were already part of this case for their strength and resilience. When we called today and went around and talked to them to let them know, there was a deluge of tears, Yo said. They thought it would never happen. It's people like this who, you know, put themselves in positions of authority to do harm that make you not trust the system. Because why wouldn't he be an attorney? Why wouldn't he use probation officers as a part Charges. of his... Yeah, why wouldn't he? Because who's going to catch them? Really? Well... Who are you going to tell? Who's going to believe you? And, and nobody you? did for 50 years. It's just disgusting. 50 years he's been on the radar. From the time that he became a lawyer. Right. In what, 1971? Mm -hmm. He's been on the radar. Right. The accusations go back to 1970. From the get-go, he's been a predator. Yeah. And he's been a predator that has connected with other predators mm -hmm. to create, basically, a sex trafficking ring. I don't want to use the word prostitution because that puts the blame on the women, yeah, and that's not, not right. It's a sex trafficking ring. Yeah. It's... Women who have been... Um, who are at the mercy of the system. Who are at the mercy of the system. We're, you're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose... Right. What do you do? Say no. Then what happens? Well, you go missing. Right. Or dead. Or you're in jail. Or your kids you are taken your away. Kids, or, or you are... Um, it's people like that who prey on the vulnerable because they have the power 
to make those decisions. But how many other, I mean, that's one area. That's one area. We don't even know what's happened to the women who said no to him. Right. They surely didn't get represented fairly. No. In a court of law. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what happened to those that, that were strong enough and able to say no. Right. Um, but the, the, there's 27 women who were trafficked by this lawyer. And his colleagues. And his colleagues. It's just disgusting. Across many states. And nothing has happened to him yet other than right. charges have been made. Right. Charges have been made against him. I am just so... And who is going to... Who is going to protect these women? Right. No resources. Well, and why would you believe that someone's going to protect you at this point? You're, the entire system has literally victimized you. Over yeah. and over again. The people who are put there to protect you. Right have victimized right. you. Who are you going to believe? And um, they have no resources. Right. Uh, certainly not compared to a prominent attorney with judges, probation officers. It'll be interesting to see what else comes out of this. You know, the probation officers, the judges, the other women who... Haven't did, come forward One yet. who did say no. And, yeah. you know, their cases were maybe you know, much worse than what they really were mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they said no. It'll be interesting to see what comes comes right. of this. And But now I've been doing this work for five years. And for whatever reason, I don't know, isn't is Mercury in retrograde right now? I mean, there's, 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 I, I'm suffering from a little bit of, uh, um, of uh, negative thinking and, and, uh, and feelings of defeat and desperation. Um, because of this, the systems in place. And the truth is, if I won't be surprised if nothing happens to him, that this is the worst of it. Because he has powerful people that he's got pictures of, that mm -hmm. he's got right. information on, that he, I'll be surprised if anything happens to him. Well, none of those people are going to turn against him. None of those people. It's... And um, it, I just, I, I, I hope something happens. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Because a crooked system allowed for this to happen. Right. Because somewhere, somebody knew mm -hmm. that this goes, this goes back to the 1970s. Yeah. To the, to, to the same time that he actually got his his license and there's been no repercussions to him until for whatever reason right now journalists are paying attention mm -hmm. to sex trafficking and the systems that are built to promote it right. allow it mm -hmm. and endorse it well I think it only takes one person to say, wait a minute, this isn't right. Something's not right here. Um, I mean, you look at the Deny Justice series that the Star Tribune put out, that was earth shattering 
to some people. I mean, really, to the system. I mean, it literally changed the way that police officers are going to be trained because it was journalists who said, wait a minute, this isn't right. Something's, something's wrong here, and it's a bigger problem than what people really know about. Do you, again, I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling jaded and I'm feeling defeated. But do you, what, what has changed? What has changed since that series came out? Because it wasn't, I would say that that, that series was shocking mm-hmm. to me. Uh, at the depth and breadth of the problem. Mm-hmm. But what has really changed? Well, what's changed is the way that police officers are trained in how they deal with sexual assault victims. There's protocols in place that now tell them, here's how you speak to them, here's how you interview them, here's how you document this, and here's what you need to do. The fact that that wasn't in place in the first place, I mean, this that series came out in 2019. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're that behind in the in the times really. Well, but, and and what I would want, what I what I wonder is are those are cuz n- now I came from a different I came from a different work line of work, a different field. Um I came probably a little bit um uh, with rose-colored glasses. I I that the line between good and evil was clear that it was either it was black or white um as far as as far as it was good or it was it was wrong it was just it was unjust and um since since having a, a deeper exposure to things like domestic violence sexual assault uh addiction mental health issues and the systems um, I wonder, is, has their education, has their training, actual training that they receive as people, as officers going into law enforcement changed? And what about all the officers that are actually in place today? Right. What, has, what training have they received? Mm-hmm. What is their training? Because, uh, uh, you know, has it changed? Has it really changed? I really hope it has. It's Local. still up to the agencies to make that happen. So it's not it's not foolproof, but it's a way for it's it it's another way to hold officers accountable because before there wasn't there wasn't something that said okay did you do this 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 and this and if you didn't you did it wrong. Where now did you do this 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 or this, and if you didn't, but there's how, repercussions to that. Well, but is there is there. It doesn't have a, a an authority over officers. It cannot take away their their right. ability to be an officer, or right. uh, it may not even be able to discipline them. The post board does not. It's and, up to and that. So so yeah. I and I think that you know when we talk about <laughs> we talk about law enforcement and we talk about you know we, we're talking about there we really I feel like we're talking about two different things. We're talking about our local law enforcement, mm-hmm. which. Um, which we know, we know the individuals in law enforcement here, and for the most part, they do a good and thoughtful job mm-hmm. in their work. Absolutely, they, because they're they know they know who they're serving, they know who they're dealing with. They have a relationship with them somewhere along the line. Right. This isn't this isn't the same thing as 
all law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, that um, it feels like when you're talking about community law enforcement, I feel protective of them mm -hmm. because I think that they do the best they can. We do have a system that's broken. We can say, looking at our own numbers here at this small agency in the northern part of Minnesota, that, um, that victims of sexual assault, that is the lowest number of people we serve. Mm -hmm. um, that for us in 2019, that was about, uh, about 10 people, and the year before it was about 18. That's who comes through our doors. That's certainly not the number of people who have been sexually assaulted. Um, the number that reports to law enforcement is certainly a different number. Mm -hmm. And we know that that victim of that specific crime, the victim of sexual assault, is unlikely to report. Right. For many reasons. Yep. Um, so I, I, I hope that that's... So all that to say that... that the number of opportunities that law enforcement has to investigate a sexual assault are few. Right. They're not, it's not, a, it's not often. Right. But um, I really do hope that there's a change because specifically that victim, that type of victim doesn't report right. anyway. Mm -hmm. And if they do report, they deserve to be heard. Right, and then you add in, you know, this crooked type of story where systems crooked, crooked systems, and and uh, predators, gonna... predators at the top. Right. You right. Know. So often, sexual assault victims are not believed in the first place, and then add in that you were sexually assaulted by a probation officer, an attorney, an officer, a judge, a judge. I mean, and who, friends. Who do you tell? Right. Really, who do you who do you feel? is trustworthy enough to tell that to when those people are the ones who are supposed to be helping you in the first place. Protecting you. Yeah. Protecting you. Um, that I think that's what makes it so very egregious and what mm -hmm. makes me so angry is that there has been some things that have caused people to know of Niren since the 1970s. Since he, he's been a predator from before day one. That's why he got in the business. That's absolutely why he, was, he became an attorney. And that's why, and I think that's why we have to continue to do this kind of stuff because mm -hmm. there are, this just can't continue to happen. Right. There has to be systems in place mm -hmm. that, that um, investigate, independent systems that right. investigate. Uh, and, and you know what, and, and really right now, all of that independent investigation has, fall on, has fallen on the shoulders of journalists. Right, who pick up mm -hmm. this torch? Yeah, and they're they're under attack right now by right. other by other things, and yeah. so are so are I would say, um, you know, th they're under attack too, differently. But mm -hmm. um, they're just some of the very most important stories of our times are being told by journalists. Mm -hmm. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found at our website at gone-podcast.com.
Okay, we need something funny. Please, Katie. It's it's <laughs> it's uh, Hollow's Eve. It is. So what do you have for us today? So mine are outrageous and funny things that students have said to their teachers. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can't wear my new glasses in your class because it's math. The doctor said that they're just for reading. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, I suppose, but you had to be very specific with children. <laughs> I just want to know what grade. It does. It never told me the grade. It told me their names, which I didn't write down, but it didn't say what grade they were in. Because I'm a, because uh, it's I'm a little. <laughs> I think glasses aren't the first of the problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. While watching a walking with dinosaurs video, a student said to me, "Is this actual footage?" <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes, I was there. <laughs> well, I want to say that you really, you really. I mean, 50 is 100 when well, you're a little kid. Yes, absolutely. And when you're 52, I think all of my teachers were 100. So bad. Right. Yeah. Right. I think oh, all of yeah. my teachers were 100. When yeah. really they were my age that I am now. No. Yes. Like when I was in kindergarten, they all seemed like they were probably 100. But they were probably close to 40. Ugh. And that was old. It was d almost dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a student once complained to me that another student called him the E word. I didn't know what it was, so I asked, and the student replied, idiot. <laughs> oh! The E word. I'm going to call people the E word. I'm going to... <laughs> idiot. Idiot. I suppose it sounds like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're pretty for an old person. <gasps> Again, probably 36, 40. I mean, I don't know my ancestors because I'm only eight. But when you were alive during the pilgrim time, did you know my ancestors? Yes. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I used to write my name in cursive. Now I just write it in, in English. <laughs> right. It, all, it doesn't look like English when you write in cursive. After a stressful like Greek, French, oh, right. Right, After a stressful day, I declared out loud that I'd had it for the day. One of my precocious little pre-K girls said to me, "Oh, Mrs. S, you need a wine cooler." <gasps> yes, Angela. Yes, I do. I do. I do. I didn't give a five-year-old a sticker because he hadn't earned it. He burst into tears and said, when I grow up and become a man, I'm going to buy stickers and I'm not going to give you any. <laughs> when I grow up to be a man, yeah. I'm going to buy all the stickers I'm I want. I'm not going to give you any. <laughs> From a middle schooler who doesn't like school, Miss Polly, you are okay for a teacher. I hate you less than the others. Oh, oh. <laughs> You have to have a, a heart of steel. Yes, yes. That's brutal. I had a water bottle with a tea packet in it when a student asked me if it was beer. I told him no, and he replied, well, you should, because my dad said it takes the edge off. <laughs> Your dad's not wrong. He's not wrong. Mrs. Lopez, I got out of line so I could fart. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. That was very thoughtful. <laughs> yes. You didn't need to tell me, <laughs> but thank you. I guess when I was growing up, maybe you didn't... In the family, farting was an absolute topic of discussion. Sure. But not in 
public. Not in public. No. Everybody farts. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I asked. I was asking some of my students if they'd ever gone apple picking, and one of my pre-K girls responded with, "No, my car only goes to the supermarket." <laughs> <laughs> Not to the apple picking no. place. Uh-uh. Nope. And this is the last one. You aren't mean like some of the kids say. You're just loud. Well, honestly, to be a teacher, you'd have to. Ha- you would. You. My feelings would get hurt. <laughs> my feelings are hurt just listening to that. <laughs> Not mean, just loud. Just loud. Which is actually true. It, well, it can come off as meanness when you're using a big, stern voice. Yes. But especially when you're little. To maintain control. Yeah. Pre-K? Are you kidding me? You'd have to be loud. Oof. And rhymey. <laughs> so I have for you um, some of the most ridiculous job titles. <laughs> okay. So the first one is one that I want. <laughs> uh, dictator. <laughs> Ruler of the world. Queen of most all things. <laughs> not not everything, because I don't want to be most. like the sewer district. Nope. I don't want to be queen of the sewer district. Nope, someone else can do that. Yeah, I want to be, I, but I want to be queen of a lot of other things. <laughs> right. So these are actual, uh, other than that one, actual job titles. Okay. And I, I even have the names of the employees that they're specifically oh, okay. referring to. So Ray Wolf was the director of sandbags. <laughs> <laughs> these things are not just titles. But they were, they were, they were, there's images from the TV screen. Oh my god! Of them. I mean, so this isn't, I'm not like making these right, up. Right, they were real. Yeah. Carrie Lang, and this is her self, self- uh, given title. Okay. She's a therapist. Oh, well. Which I thought was a are. pretty good one. Because mm-hmm. honestly, they we are. could use it. Yep. Lonnie Johnson is a professional snuggler. I hope there's a lot of regulations. Yeah, I hope so. Luke Howard is the namer of clouds. Oh. Yeah. Someone has to. I mean, really, I didn't know that was a job. There's also Derek Gordon, who is a ranch dressing expert. Oh. Listed on the Food Channel. Ranch dressing expert. That would get really old really fast. Can I just say, there's one kind of ranch dressing. It's Hidden Valley. And it's made at home. And, I mean, if you want the best. Right, the homemade stuff, yeah. Right. I'm not going to be tasting other ones. No. I don't want to. Mm -mm. James Dunstan is a space lawyer. Oh. what, What do those cases look like? Well... People are upset that a star is in the wrong place? Well, I, I suspect. I mean, I don't know. I didn't look into it any. I didn't look at the job description. <laughs> but I think that it probably does have to do with satellites. Um, their location. Their location. What they're picking up. Right, right. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. I never thought of that. But. I, I feel like you wouldn't be a very busy person. Well, I don't know. In this day and age, I think you might be, Maybe. actually. But, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's strange. It's it strange, very but strange. I suppose. So Chris Holm is a, an extreme unicyclist. Oh. That would be dangerous. Well, and hard. Yeah. Lee Sandsbrook is the head of elephants. <laughs> that would be a really good job. I would love that job. I would love that. But I would love this job more. Dr. Tom Hart is a penguinologist. Oh, Oh my God, the keeper of the penguins. I want that yes. job. No, pandas. I want to be the pandologist. Mm-hmm. Juan Gonzalez is the parkour, park, uh, parkour, mm-hmm. parkour specialist. Wow. He's 22. He lives at home. He doesn't get paid. I'm just going to say, I don't think 
Parkour? Is am I saying that right? Parkour, yeah. 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 I, I guess I didn't know that we needed one of those. Well, and I, and just because these are job titles doesn't mean they're actually jobs of which you get paid for. Sure. The parkour sure. specialist, I'm thinking, is not. And it's neither, probably a, f- a freelance type of position. Right. It's a, right, a consultant, maybe. Right. Uh, and I think this is true for the knitter in residence. Oh, too. okay. Um, Howard Phillips is the fan is the fun club president. Hmm. That gives me more question marks and concerns. I could bet that that is not fun. It's not a fun club. If you have to say that your club is fun, it is the fun club, hmm. and he's the president. Sure. I don't want to join. I'm okay. Not. I want to make fun of the fun club. <laughs> Because I, 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 I have that uh, sarcastic gene uh, yeah. that runs through. Russell Kleinbach is the bride kidnapping expert. Oh. I didn't know that was a thing. Is there like a training that brides have to go through to not get kidnapped? I mean, is it the kidnapping that you or do is he to the take one them to the bar? Or is he the one who the kidnappers? Is he teaching people how to kidnap brides? Is he, <laughs> I, and do brides uh, actually get kidnapped? I mean, I, I know questions. they get... They get taken right, as a from part the of, event yeah. to drink something someplace else. Right. Is that considered kidnapping? I don't. I, I mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, Bren Larson is a teen exorcist. Oh. Now, she is a teen. She appears to be a teen. Okay. But I'm not sure if that is the, that, she's, that, that she's only exercises teen Teens. spirits. Or if she's a teen that does the exorcisms. I mean, but she does appear to be a teen. She could be both. Could be both. The chief of unicorn division. Oh, well, you know, someone's got to eradicate him. Well, (laughs) I don't know. Or, I don't know. Now, this is an odd combination. Dr. Bernie Payton is a bear biologist and paper folder. Hmm. I said, and paper folder. Why do why are they put together? I mean, does I, he teach bears how to fold paper? I mean, because that would be impressive. <laughs> they've got big hands. They really, <laughs> and I suppose they've got something like a thumb. Ish. Uh, yeah, something. But it was listed, and I mean, I saw it. It's listed. He's a bear biologist and paper folder, huh. not an origamiist. Right. Which, wow, but just uh, the folder of paper. I mean, I technically... All of us are. ...am a paper folder, and I never thought to list that on my resume. Which we should. I mean, I, apparently you can just make up any old you thing. Can. I'm you can. A, a, a folder of paper, a stapler of paper, a ripper of paper. Yes. Stan Chauvin is a bread scientist. Hmm. I would like that job. I feel like these are just made up. I, I know. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, they were... Put on TV, so it's yeah. No, real. I feel like somebody just made them up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Sarah Dundon Robertson is the head of potatoes. Hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds. The head of it potatoes might get confusing. There's got to be someone to call if you don't know what a potato, what kind of potato is, or you have issues with the potatoes, or the head of potatoes. Hmm. And this is somebody who is actually. I, I've heard of before. I didn't know his name. I didn't know his title. And the whole thing icks me out a little bit. <laughs> Jackson Galaxy is a cat behavior consultant. He is the weird... Chops. 
uh, mustache, and he specifically um, deals with cats. Mm. A cat behavior consultant. I can just about bet that his services are not guaranteed because cats don't care. They I'll don't scratch care. your face off. Yeah, they don't care. And, yeah, I... Uh, I think that what he, I think that I'm not sure, I'm not really sure, but I think that a cat behavior consultant would just say that cat coughed up a fur ball, that cat just scratched your face off, that cat, I mean, I think that if he's just explaining the behaviors after they've happened, I can absolutely, I mean, I can see how that's, but you could not predict. No. Or change. Or change. I don't think you could. (laughs) No. Because... Cats are jerks. Cats are jerks. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about them. Yep. And that's a wrap.